listening to White Welcome to Wednesday. Let's get ready to truck it. I'm Dooner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. Hey, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful spring day here in Freight Alley. How are you, my friend? I'm good. My shirt started blooming. It did. <laughs> Is that where all the pollen's coming from? Yeah. That shirt? <laughs> hey, let me ask you something. Shoot, What's fuck. the weirdest thing you ever found in your ear before? Yeah, that's a bizarre question. Yeah, <laughs> I had a I had a tip of an earbud stuck in my ear for about a week and a half once. I had a severe earache. How did you like not was. notice that? I did notice it. It hurt like hell, but I. But why did it take you a week to notice it? Because it was it was in there pretty good. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I'm not that smart. You know what I noticed this morning? I woke up. Dogecoin was up to thirteen cents. Michael Vincent, it's been up one hundred and twenty five percent this week and surged more than eighty five percent in the past 24 hours now get this so we're always talking about this freight market right it's been yeah. super hot let's yeah, say you want to hedge against it so what if you took one million dollars of freight spend on yeah. january 1st and you invested okay. it in bitcoin do you know how much money you would have today bitcoin in bitcoin so you took one million you put in bitcoin how much would you have today i do know you do know mm-hmm. how much 1.7 million yes did you read the what the truck news yeah i did if you put that money in Dogecoin, though, you would have $12.5 million. You know what the interesting thing is? Yeah. It was much lower in the newsletter because it just keeps going up every day. I know. It was, day. 9 million. <laughs> it was $9 million. It was $9 million. It just, keeps, it just keeps moving up. But, you know, one of the reasons I did that comparison is because when I'm writing, I put that line in last because I'm writing the thing. I was yeah. looking at two experts, and one, like, Belori Logistics was like, don't go into contracts, you know, the market's going to recede later in the year. But then everyone else is like, do get into contracts because it's only going to get up because there's no conditions here that would lead to it going down. Yeah, right. And it's like, well, maybe like, this is just a gamble at this point. Maybe just get the Dogecoin. Yeah, just get the Dogecoin. Just do it, man. Dogecoin. You know what my Ethereum I invested in in two point in uh, 2017 would be worth if I had dumped my million dollars into it? You don't, okay, yes. 56 million. Do you have a million dollars? I didn't then either, no. Okay. (laughs) But I would have 56 million. If, only if. All right, I got a quick video for us here. Do you ever give special instructions to your delivery guy? Uh, no, I don't have much to deliver, but I'd love to do it someday. That's, well, that's pretty funny stuff. One of my buddies on Twitter, Trucker Beetle Belly, I think yeah. he's been on this show once oh, yeah. before. This dog Shasta. Yeah. He uh, he leaves some special instructions. He's away on the road, and he sent me this video from his Ring Video doorbell. <laughs> Scooby Dooby Doo at the door. You did you put any special instructions on your own videos? <laughs> no, but that's awesome, dude. No, I, I want to try it now because I I have a ring doorbell now. Yeah. I want to uh, see. I want to see if I can get the uh, delivery people to do anything for me. To do something silly like yeah. yell Scooby Doo. Yeah. I'll try it. If I get them to do it, I'll bring I'll bring the video in here today on the show. Though we're talking about the value of your data. We're talking about finding freight data for free, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind of value is that free? It's, but it's uh, not your data. It depends it's on other... what it is and what you do with it, but yeah. it could be value value. I could turn it into a big value. Well, yeah. This is good from two angles. This is good yeah. from the angle if you're a shipper, you want to listen, and maybe you want to hide your data, maybe you'll find out how. But if you are a broker, or um, he even has the angle on here, if you're buying things off like Alibaba, of looking up suppliers and shippers, if you're familiar with like Datamine or Pangeva, there's now a free solution called Import Yeti. It's super cool. We're going to yeah. have the guy who made it. He made it. He's a Redditor. He made it during lockdown. Um, I believe he works for an amateur wrestling equipment company, so maybe that's where 
serious familiarity for imports came in, but we'll find out why he built the whole site. Sounds super cool. We get a ton to get into. Before we get there, let's tip the band. This episode is brought to you by Redwood, a leading logistics platform company has provided solutions for moving and managing freight for more than 20 years. The company's diverse portfolio includes digital freight brokerage, flexible freight management, and innovative platform services such as El Pass and Redwood Connect that fill the gaps between logistics and technology. Contact Redwood at Tell Them, Dude. Redwoodlogistics.com immediately after the show. Headlines. Imagine if I actually hit this and threw it across the desk like like you on Midday Market Update. <laughs> yeah, it was totally unintentional. <laughs> All right. Well, here's the story. This has actually been in the newsletter. We've covered it in the show before. It's They're in trial right now. Some more details keep emerging. Shipping's billion-dollar Coke bust. Eight plead guilty. Sentencing has begun. Greg Miller has a story. He's talking about prosecutors called it the largest cocaine seizure in the 200-year history of Customs and Border Protection. 20 tons of cocaine worth $1 billion were found in seven containers among aboard the MSC Guyane at the Philadelphia port on June 17, 2019. On Tuesday, the first of the conspirators, former MSC crew member Vladimir Penda, was sentenced to five years and ten months in prison for this crime. Eight MSC crew members aboard the ship have pleaded guilty, including the chief mate and second mate. Big conspiracy aboard the ship. Yeah, big one. The MSC Guyane uh, case is so striking because the drugs were not hidden in the containers prior to loading. They didn't just load these things on here at, at port. Uh, rather, they were brazenly loaded aboard at night in the open sea by MSC crew members. Unbelievable there. Speedboats met the ship off of South America, and Coke brick late, the Coke brick laden duffel bags were hoisted aboard by the crew using the ship's own, the ship's own crane. And this was not a uh, rust bucket freighter either. This was a 2018 no. 11,600 TEU ship. This was a... This is a big deal. And, and when I say conspiracy, it's because eight crew members, right? That's more than a third. They participated in this smuggling operation, yeah. according to prosecutors. The drugs were hidden among that legitimate uh, crew members. Like you said, the, the crew members used those fake seals. Uh, prosecutors said the chief mate, he was in charge of the cargo plan and helped choose the shipping containers in which the cocaine would be stashed. Why'd they do it, though? Well, something that is emerging there in the defense is one crew member said he found himself as an engineer on the MSC Guyane alongside members of the Montenegrin Mafia, who asked him repeatedly to carry cocaine for them. Threatened family. He seemed like he didn't have options. And, you know, maybe a lot of these crew members didn't. They're going to suss that out in court. But it's, it's a bad situation. It does seem like maybe some of these people were forced there. And it seems a lot bigger than just eight seafarers who decided to go rogue. Yeah, no, this had to be planned, right? I mean, hey, guys coordinating yeah. uh, speedboats coming up and using the ship's crane and everything else. Yeah, well, where would they get the money to get that amount of weight, yeah. that weight in cocaine, a billion dollars? That's a lot of cash. That, that's a lot of cashish. Yes. Speaking of billion dollars, DOT, DOT allots $1 billion in the latest round of infrastructure grants. John Gallagher reports the U.S. Department of Transportation is laying out $1 billion in the latest round of, comp- of the competitive grant program that began in 2009 for freight projects. DOT published on Tuesday a notice of funding opportunity to apply for money through the RAISE grants, a renaming of what had been called Build Grants under the Trump administration and Tiger Grants under the Obama administration. So I guess each president just renames this thing. They do. What's your favorite so far? I would go with the Yeti. 
Yeti grant. The Biden administration plans to prioritize projects that address racial inequity and climate change and create long-term, well-paid jobs. U.S. Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg said, in communities across the country, there is tremendous need for transportation projects that create high-quality jobs, improve safety, protect our environment, and generate equitable economic opportunities for all Americans. With RAISE grants, we are making those needed investments in our communities future. Hey, beautiful. We just popped up on LinkedIn, too. If you're just joining us, thank you for coming on What the Truck. Let us know where you're watching in from. Always (laughs) love to see that. Throw in comments during this stuff, too. I actually read these things. Sometimes not till afterwards. I get a little caught up in the the firefight up here. But uh, what happens? Freight does not... So here's CAGTC President Leslie Blakely. She told FreightWave, she gives a little insight on what happens with these things. She says, freight does well in these grants, but there are needs in the country that are very specific to freight and the economic benefits that are derived from freight movement. These projects need to be competing with each other, not with things like people and mobility. Transit is is a great thing, but it doesn't make a lot of sense for freight to be competing with transit because they serve very different constituencies economically and practically is apples and oranges. You ever try to apply for a job and try to find our industry on there? It's so hard to just It's incredibly find, hard, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really is. One of the biggest right. industries in the world, but you can't find us on an application. Yeah, no. What's up, very, world? What's very... up, Zip Recruiter? <laughs> <laughs> Coming for you. All right, Neuro. Domino's teams up on autonomous pizza delivery. I need to get some. They already did the pizza trackers. They innovated. Like, Domino's has better tracking and visibility than a lot of freight companies. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's just for their pizza. Well, Brian Sugar Report starting this week. Residents in Houston are able to order from Domino's and have their pizza delivered via that beautiful little autonomous Check that thing delivery out. vehicle there. It's very small. In person, it's much. It's it, that's not like a full size van. It's pretty small. Yeah, you really can't tell the scale from that picture. But yeah, it's not. It's not extremely big. Well, they're going to be delivering um, literally pizza in certain areas in Woodland Heights, right? How do they uh, pick the customers here? Yeah. So this, uh, well, it looks like it's random. Select customers who place a prepaid order on the Domino's website may have R two make the delivery. In that case, the customer will receive text messages with R 2s progress and unique and a unique PIN number, so they can retrieve their order from the vehicle using a touchscreen on the bot. R2 is a second-generation vehicle, though, my brother, from Neuro. The first version, R1, began making deliveries for Kroger in Scottsdale, Arizona, in December 2018. R2 offers more cargo space and a longer range. It also offers temperature control, which sounds pretty good with the pizza, right? And this vehicle's been approved uh, since 2020 to be on the road, since early 2020 by by U.S. DOT. Again, we keep going back. We had Melanie Wise on here. I said autonomous trucks, autonomous vehicles, like 50 years away because they're dumb, but... I keep reporting on news stories here where this stuff is constantly coming. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it seems is. like it's a lot sooner than that. Can you imagine? I mean, can you You're going to have to have extra staff on hand in Woodland Hills. Because people are going to be so excited to order from oh, that yeah. one. Yeah, people are going to be buying pizzas like crazy just to see if this thing shows up, right? We got Scott Dudelick in there. We got Scott Dudelick in the uh, comments. Good morning from Phoenix. Willie Clark is in Fresno, California. C.R. Burns is in Arlington, Texas. Nico Brown is watching on live.freightwaves.com because the LinkedIn wasn't up. Uh, good morning from El Paso, Texas. Kanisha says um, Alejandro Laraz is in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, Nico is in Woodbridge, Virginia. But you know where Tim Breckenridge is? Um, He's with the ITF group. He's VP of business development over there. We'll ask him. Tim, where are you sitting right now? I am here uh, at our headquarters in St. Louis. Beautiful. In in the office, hanging out, um, watching you guys like I do uh, most days around this time and uh, just enjoying the show. Well, it sounds like you know us. Can you introduce yourself to our audience? 
So, like you said, Tim Breckenridge, uh, Vice President of Business Development for ITF Group. Um, we're an asset-based 3PL uh, in in St. Louis. Um, own and operate almost a million square feet, um, access distribution fulfillment, dedicated storage for a wide range of customers, large and small. Um, really experiencing some rapid growth in the last two years or so. Um, like I said, we are um, an asset base. So we have 500 company trucks, almost 1500 trailers, uh, pretty robust fleet operations, um, you know, puts us in a, allows us to be, you know, competitive in a few different areas. The fleet services focus, you know, on servicing retail, e-commerce, consumer packaging clients. Um, we started to shift into some different sectors uh, recently, uh, really heavily invested in technology, which I, I think is going to start to separate us um, a little bit. Um, adding that visibility, everybody preaches visibility, not sure they're really there yet, but, um, you know, we kind of practice what we preach. I always say, you know, don't talk about it, be about it. So we try and be about it every day. Um, you know, really offering on-demand solutions to our customers. Excellent stuff, Tim. Thank you so much for that. Now, you guys being based in retail and e-commerce and yeah. CPG, right? At that that base, uh, the last couple of years, twenty and twenty twenty and twenty twenty one have to have been uh, gangbuster blockbuster years for you guys out there. Has that been the case for you? Absolutely. So let me give you a little idea of how quickly we've grown. Um, we started with a little twenty two thousand square foot. Uh, facility um, separate from our, our main dispatch operations in July of 2019. Uh, ran consolidated LTL operations out of there with the goal, obviously, to grow to different sectors. E-commerce was was really one that we, you know, obviously e-commerce is booming. With COVID, consumers have changed the way they, you know, purchase goods. Retailers are, you know, starting to fulfill from their own stores. Um, and we went from that 22,000 square feet in July of 2019 to now where we are, like I said, you know, we're operating almost a million square feet um, here in St. Louis plans to grow to a couple of other um, areas in the Southeast potentially, um, which we're, we're currently working on. Um, but we we really focus on tailored solutions. You know, what works for one guy may not work for the next. Um, so we don't want to sell a solution that we think is going to work the best for us. We want to sell something that, that works best for that that customer specifically. And, well, Tim, um, I got to say really last year, the, I mean, with all this e-commerce, right? I yeah. mean, there had to be a huge demand because sort of the, I don't want to say the dark side, but part of the downside of, of rapidly accelerating e-commerce is the reverse logistics. All of these returns and returns were up. Right exponentially by a ton last year and i've been in freight and i know returns are the problem nobody wants to deal with how did the demand for reverse logistics change and accelerate last year and into this year so obviously you know returns are costly um and being able to consolidate that into one point um you know we we saw that that um but i i don't want to you know, name specific retailers, but but one large retailer um, has started to fulfill from their stores directly. And, you know, they're kind of trying to match that, you know, that Amazon uh, effect where they can fulfill almost anywhere, get it to your door that same day. But then when it comes time to return, they don't want to handle it. Um, and with the, the, the consumer doing more e-commerce fulfillment, obviously you're going to have uh, more returns. And that's where, you know, we found you know, the opportunity to really start to handle the the reverse side of things and and really 
drive that return cost down for for some customers, some smaller uh, customers, and then there's obviously some bigger uh, big box customers we do that for as well. Yeah, so Tim, I mean, it, it's obvious that the the bull market in this area, especially e-commerce, et cetera, is going to continue for quite some time, right? It's not just yeah. a flash in a plant pan that happened before. People have changed their buying habits, accelerated that change right. that it was. Can you speak to, you spoke a little bit about expansion. Can you speak a little bit more to expanding in the, in the fleet and what your investment is and capturing this bull market as it keeps running? So we really want to be able to add uh, automation to our distribution and fulfillment, Um I, I think that's something that not everybody's able to do. That's been a big focus of ours um, and adding the visibility to uh, our customers inventory on that fulfillment side and the e-commerce side. You know, we have, we have one uh, particular customer and I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll sun products. Um, and she, she's a new, new client for us. And we have given her that visibility to her supply chain and that fulfillment process that she didn't have before. Everything comes inbound to us. And literally, she has visibility of it. I mean, she has photos of her product sitting in in uh, in inventory, you know, when it comes in and then when it goes out. And I think that really, you know, we, we do that for every customer, but that that kind of separates, um, you know, us from from some of the you know our other competitors. Well, users sort of dictate, or at least in healthy companies, users should dictate the development of products and new yeah. products and all those kind of things. All these new demands probably had your had to have your team running around being like, oh, wait, now we need to fill this gap. Now we need to fill this. So do you have any new products on the horizon to, to address this fluid and dynamic and changing market? So we're, we're trying to um, really develop that automation, like I said, on the fulfillment side. Um, you know, those that's what's really driving... Uh, our technology initiatives for um, for 2021, uh, and, and I think that as as we go through this year and, and see how the trends play out, because what we're doing now may not work at the end of the year. So we're really trying to forecast, you know, consumers. Like you said last year, everything you know, everything changed with COVID. We think that things are going to stay the same for for the future. So we, you know, we have uh, some new initiatives that we're focusing on right now that hopefully, you know, we can roll out um, and, and uh, you know, we'll, we will share with everybody. We're going through a rebrand right now, um, you know, so everything will be, be live on our website, you know, hopefully pretty soon. Speaking of your brand, we I forgot to mention something here. I have a note here. I wrote it myself. You're an Indiana University of Bloomington graduate whose Hoosier alumna includes Jimmy Walls, the co-founder of Wikipedia, Susan Collins, the author yep. of The Hunger Games, and Trophy Smack investor Mark Cuban. Trophy Smack, who made our wonderful belt here. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Beautiful man. Yeah, hey. uh, he's, he's a legend in Bloomington. I uh, bet he is. You know, there were a couple. <laughs> I don't want to get into, you know, any war stories about, oh, you know, my time in Bloomington, but there were a couple of times where Mark Cuban was in town for basketball games and then, you know, would, would go out to Nick's English hut and buy rounds for everybody. And it was, uh, you know, picked up everybody's tab twice that happened. So, we, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's a very popular guy in Bloomington. Tim, we got to get, so you bring Mark Cuban to F3 November 8th to 10th here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Well, I'm going to be there. We, oh, you are we, beautiful. We are going to be there. Um, myself, uh, our COO, and uh, our director of strategic initiatives, uh, we are all coming down. We just booked booked our reservations last week, so we will all be there. Nice. Well, make sure that to say awesome. hi to us. We'll be easy to find. We'll be the loudest two people there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people who want to reach out. I, I, I wore my hat, you know, today to uh, as a tribute to you since you're always wearing yours. So, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Um, so, hey, people who want to reach yeah. out and learn more, where should we send them to? 
So itfgroup.com, um, my uh, direct contact is 314-630-9720. And um, you, know, you can also check us out on Facebook. Obviously, we have a LinkedIn page. Um, email address is tbrex, so T-B-R-E-C-K, at itfgroup.com. Love to talk to you about, you know, any potential uh, needs you have. Like I said, we, we tailor everybody's, you know, solution to their needs. We don't do what's yeah. best for us. We do what's best for the customer. We so. believe you. Thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. And if we don't see you back on the show before November, we'll see you in Chattanooga. Take Definitely care, brother. Will. All right. You too. Thank you. Take it easy. Uh, hey, you know what? Mark Marcus Cooksey's in the um, in the comments here from Duke oh, AI, and he's, oh, okay. he, he was complimenting this hat. It is a beautiful hat. It is. I like the dog on here. It's it's metallic. This, this it it is a metallic. very cool hat. I've got mine on my desk. I wear it from time to time. It's yeah. a great hat. It's a decent one. I thought it went nice with my flower shirt because I had like the gray here. I was trying to find a hat that goes with my. I don't have a lot of flower hats. Like a lot of sun hats to really maybe I need to invest in some, Michael. <laughs> to get maybe you. a visor. You think a visor yeah. would work? Yeah, like a live flower a headband. Sun hat. A headband. Well, we got Brett Suma now. He's the chief executive officer over at Loadsmith. Let's bring Brett on up, right? He's going to talk to us a little bit about industry growth. He's going to talk to us about Loadsmith's growth. I don't know if you know this, but Loadsmith's only been around since October 1st, 2019, launching it into a pretty difficult operating environment, at least uh, up until maybe May. Yeah, what are we doing right now? <laughs> yeah, by January, they must have been going, what are we doing? Yeah, well, Brett, so just set the table well, then, really quick. So if listeners didn't tune in last time you are here, just quick elevator pitch on, on, on yourself and what Loadsmith is. Yeah, so Loadsmith, I mean, we're, we're a freight brokerage. Um, we use as much technology as we can to help assist us in our relationships. And so we're a little, um, a little different in terms of how we structure things. Um, in terms of our, our sales organization and our, our, our carrier engagement group. But um, we're a freight brokerage. We've been around for, uh, we just finished our, our sixth quarter. So um, we're fairly new, but, you know, we have, gosh, about 100 years of experience in our building here of operating fleets at, at large trucking companies. So we're very, very asset driver minded brokerage. And I'll bet between uh, all those people who break up that hundred years of uh, of experience, they never experienced anything like like last year, right? So <laughs> you guys, you guys, oh, la- yeah, yeah, right. You guys launched in October first, two thousand nineteen. We we're joking. Maybe you thought differently about doing that by January, right? Uh, but oh, no, no, it was uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that was not the didn't seem like the right time. Yeah, it was a very challenging environment to say the least. How's year two going for you guys? Um, great. I mean, you know, we, we did 21 and a half million in, in 20 and our, our run rate right now is about 59 million. So we're going to be 50, 55, 55, you know, 55, 60 by the, by the end of the year this year. So, um, obviously, you know, it helps when your freight bill, you know, is up by double, you know? And so, so we, we definitely have a tailwind in regards to, revenue that that revenue number for everybody is a little deceiving because the average freight bill is so high wow wow so we're talking a little bit about this i mean everybody has you know everybody's freight spend is up it's been it's been a crazy market and we're talking about growing different fleet sizes what are the the bigger demands for the smaller fleets because they tend to lag in in technology and uh sometimes in experience and all those things but they make up such a huge portion of the market well that's the real opportunity I think that's the real opportunity for shippers is how do shippers connect better with smaller fleets? Um, the reality is working, working at um, a large carrier for such a long time, what, what you're seeing with the large carriers, if you pay attention to their earnings releases um, and, and their new 
marketing initiatives and also some lawsuits that they've gone through is that large large fleets are going to have a hard time adding capacity to, to the marketplace. Um, and idle trucks at large fleets are obviously an issue. Um, being able to fill those open trucks, you see they're, they're, they're launching all kinds of initiatives in terms of ratcheting up their pay in order to attract drivers. Um, but the, the largest fleets are all fighting for the same drivers coming out of school. Um, whereas your two-year, three-year um, drivers is probably not really aspiring to work at a large fleet. Um, and so, so that's what you see happening when it comes to the power onlys. If you've noticed, so many of the large fleets are now uh, developing these power only programs. And really, I think that's a sign of them, them recognizing that, A, the lease, purchase, the lease operator is an issue because of all the lawsuits that they've gone down. And then B, the driver hiring issue that they're having. And so they're creating these these power only um, programs and and really to try to to get additional capacity in their network because they're oversold. They're oversold with their customer in terms of demand. So they they have a lot of trucks, but not enough drivers and a ton of trailers. And so they're developing these power only moves. And, And I just, my personal opinion is that and, and when you look deep into their financial releases, those power onlys are hurting their logistics offering from a margin perspective. So uh, generally speaking, uh, trucking companies, um, lot, heavy, heavy trailer intensive moves are generally some of your lower priced, uh, priced volume with your customers because it's such a large customer that you're working with. And so going out and trying to, to buy capacity in the, in the marketplace to move your drop and hook freight, which is generally speaking priced, not for spot, I think overall is going to end up hurting their margin, at least on their logistics side. So the real opportunity is in the small to medium trucking company size, their ability to grow from five trucks to 10 trucks or from 20 to 25. Those are huge, significant you know, percentage increases. And when you think of how many there are, um, the, the reality is that I'm super excited to be in the business that I'm in because of our ability to work with those carriers, because that's where the real growth is going to be. Yeah. And, and speaking of growth, you know, I mean, it's a great, it's a bull market. Everybody's moving freight like gangbusters and people are jumping in as, as uh, brokers are, are jumping in like crazy, right? It's a great time. If you want to get in and start some business and get some market share, you can, you can do it. There's definitely freight out there to move. No doubt about it. People looking for it. Can you talk about that a little bit of why it's such a great time to be a broker right now, but also the importance of you got to be uh, I don't know if you're a digital broker, but you definitely have to be investment in technology. Yeah, I, I think it's a great time to be to, to, to be in the logistics business. I think that when you see the real innovation that's happening in 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 trucking right now, it's happening in on the logistics you know brokerage side. Um, kind of the transition from, you know, freight visibility changed everything. And in my mind, the reason that I, I shifted and, and went into brokerage was because of visibility. With the ability to have visibility, you can now look, act, and feel like a trucking company to your customer. And so if you want to be a player in the brokerage side, you have to embrace that visibility technology. And so you have to have um, a platform that allows you to whether you're using P44 or four kites or macro point to be able to provide, you know, visibility to your customer. Visibility makes you feel and act like a trucking company. 
Um, and so it's a great time from a technology perspective. And but then you have to layer on additional technology when it when you come to when you're talking about um, carrier management and carrier procurement. And LoadSense in the next few days will will announce you know what our plans are for our carrier portal and, and driver app that we're developing, um, and and who we've partnered with. To, to develop that, but that's that's just an added piece of the technology to help us um, become an even better trucking company like Feel. And I really think when you talk about the innovation technology, it's happening on the on, at the brokerages level much more so than than the traditional trucking company level. And I think, um, and this is just my own personal feeling, that what what you potentially could see is brokerages that have significant freight networks uh, dip their toe into actually adding trucks um, and, and functioning more like a trucking company and less like a brokerage. Um, and maybe not in the traditional sense, maybe more in a digital sense, but um, I, the, the innovation in the industry right now is in the brokerage. And uh, I couldn't be more excited to be part of it uh, because, of, because of that innovation. Sounds cool. People who want to be a part of Loadsmith, where should we send them to? Uh, you can just email me, brett at loadsmith.com, um, and I will be very responsive. Thank you so much, Brett. We appreciate your time. Have a great week. Hey, thanks, guys. Take yeah. it easy. By the way, we mentioned we mentioned F3 earlier, but we forgot to mention the promo code. If you go to live.freightways.com, you click on F3, you yeah. put in the promo code WTT. That's WTT. That's WTT. You'll save $200. Is there an echo in here? You'll save $200. $200. Live.freightwaves.com. Live.freightwaves.com. Click on F3. Save $200. Hey, you know what? You want to get some data? You want to save some money? You want to get some data for free? Maybe you've used Pangeva before. Maybe you've used Datamine before. You've looked at import liquidation reports. Yeah, 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 yeah. They cost money. Maybe you've actually tried to do a freedom of information ask, ask right? <laughs> Try to get it. You know, this that. information does not come compiled very well for you. Well, this man, he's a Redditor, David Applegate. He's the founder of the Import Yeti. Not exactly sure. Location parts unknown for now. We'll find out where they are located. But he has made, he took quarantine, took the lockdown period in time to make this wonderful app, Import Yeti. I mean, this wonderful site, Import Yeti, that you can put any supplier, any shipper in there, any, um, any uh, what's it called? Import, you, could put H, you could put HS codes in there. You can put yeah. in uh, to see who's shipping what around totally the world. Free. Wonderful awesome. stuff. Let's bring him up. David Applegate, love the program. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you guys, uh, the kind words. Now, we were looking into your background a little bit, and I'm like, why would someone like during this isn't something someone just does? Like, no one's just like, I'm going to make an import liquidation report program. Um, but I was looking at your background. It looks like that you have a pretty long history dealing with imports through WrestleMart, and it looks like even uh, what's Applegate Auctions you used to do auctions with overseas goods as well. Yep, yep. So my main business is Wrestling Mart, and we sell high school wrestling equipment, you know, collegiate wrestling equipment, shoes, singlets, things like that. Uh, and we import a lot of stuff from overseas for our private label line. And the pandemic hit, and you can imagine selling wrestling go- goods is not exactly the um, the hot market to be in, even though it is e-com. And uh, <laughs> I took some of my free time, and you know we've been visualizing this data ourselves in Tableau uh, to try to find better factories. Because if you're finding a factory overseas, and they let's say you're trying to make T-shirts, there's a billion people to make T-shirts. But if you want to find a factory that makes something more specialized, like does... PVC foam and paints the foam and does injection molding and does, you know, vinyl straps. It gets much harder to find that factory. And we found the bill of lading data that you get via Freedom Information Act request is 
the best way ever to do that is you can type the company in, figure out um, who their suppliers are, and then uh, reach out to that person overseas. And then, uh, you know, I went on to Reddit actually, and I said, hey, we're visualizing these reports. Um, would anybody else find this valuable? And a lot of people loved it. And so we built the version 1.0 of what is Import Yeti. And we've just been listening to consumers ever since and trying to build something that really, really makes it easy to um, visualize, you know, companies' international supply chains. Yeah, I think it's tremendous. You know, I, I thought it was awesome. Now, I was asking Dooner earlier, and I, so I'll, I'll ask you because you would probably know more than he does, is why Yeti and not like, you know, the import Chihuahua or... <laughs> Other cryptozoology, import Bigfoot yeah, or import, import Loch Ness Bigfoot. Monster. Why, why is it? Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be so bad, but we... Um, we investigated a ton of different names in the beginning. Um, and just like we, you know, sourced out the import Yeti development to the community, um, the names it was between was import pimp and import Yeti and import pimp would have been a horrible, horrible mistake. Um, so I am super stoked to it with Yeti. Uh, and it was just simple and the name was available. Um, it was easy to spell. Um, and it, you know, sticks in people's minds. So, uh, I've been very happy with it so far. Now you've mentioned the community and user response quite a bit in terms yeah. of in terms of import Yeti and how it's guiding how you're building it. What has the yeah. feedback been, and what are what are your users looking for for you to add to move it forward? Yep, yep. So um, at first it was very rough. People were just brutal, like tore smithereens, which is cool. Uh, and, and you know it's getting a lot more mature now. And the big things we're working on is um, Excel exports, so that we can you can take the data and then manipulate it yourself. Um, uh, acts to the raw bill ladings. And then I think the really cool thing, especially in the freight forwarding space, is a sales prospecting tool on top of it. So what we're going to do is right now you type in a company name, but instead we're going to say, hey, I'm looking for a company located in this region that moves this many TEUs um, that uh, you know has contact information available on the bill lading that is maybe within this HS code or HS code category. Um, so then you'll say, Hey, here's the thousand matches that would be a potential book of business for you. Um, we're really working on that to try to make it, uh, you know, super valuable in the sales prospecting space. Yeah, that's interesting because you can right now, I, when you go through there, you can get to that information, but it's a little bit difficult. So I understand the development mm -hmm. of that. I mean, I was able to find a woman in, in uh, Winchester, Virginia, who imported a swine from uh, a pig. A pig. Uh, one yeah. pig from <laughs> Africa uh, in 2017, yeah. which I found very valuable to me, the information. Sure. <laughs> no, the sales aspect of it was tremendous. That's, I was digging inside there. It's really, really well laid out and what's going on there. What, what are you working on now for those visuals as far as is going forward? So the, the, the main changes we're making to the visuals is more user-friendly. And then we're starting to, on the kind of on the geographic level, trying to bring more resolution into that. So visualizing the international supply chain stronger per company. And then also the way ports and carriers and vessels start to interact on that too. So you can get a, a more clear understanding of not just, you know, where a company's importing from, but who they're using to import those products, you know, what lanes they're using, uh, you know, where there might be potential opportunities. Yeah, I mean, when when I was when I was selling freight, when I worked for three PLs, yeah. I, I worked at one place we used Pangeva, another place we used Datamine. But an account with those companies is pretty substantial. It's pretty expensive to, oh, have, yeah. a, to have a license oh, yeah. to use it. So if you add that sales to in there, you're going to be keeping uh, you're going to be keeping some of these companies up that night. Yeah, I think full 
um, all cards on the table, the sales prospecting tool, I think we'll be charging for. Yeah. Uh, but we'll keep everything else on the site free. So you can still, you'll always be able to search a company and, you know, view that page. Um, but the sales prospecting part will probably involve a monthly fee of some sort. Now, this is an involved process, though, compiling all this this data. It's still really not mm-hmm. that modern of a transfer. I, I think a lot of times they'll yeah. just send you CDs with these documents on them. So how are you yeah. going about getting the data? And then how are you going about parsing it to make it usable? Yeah, I mean, the data is extremely messy. That's the hard part. Getting it, there's a lot of people that can help you with that. But, um, you know, taking some, like if you take something like Apple, right? Like people just assume Apple, the company, but there's also Apple brewing and there's Apple dry cleaning and there's Apple. They're not called Apple dry cleaning, it's just called Apple, you know, and to make it so that when you search a company, it actually returns the information that you want um, it is brutal. And we try to do different sorts of machine learning and, um, and uh, build models around that to try to correlate different variables and then hopefully give you the best result possible. It's really interesting because you talk about messy data. I understand that it is incredibly messy data. But yeah. you talked about the feedback from your customers and from people that are mm-hmm. using it. You said people were tearing you apart as yeah. always. It is, it's not always the case, I guess. You know, People use products yeah. and then they walk away. How valuable is that to really get that negative feedback, right? You don't always want people – you don't want yes men everywhere, right? Yep. Yep. And, you know, and I try to listen to as many people as I can. And as an FYI, if anybody's on Import Yeti right now, you can click the contact us feature and please let me know any feedback you have, no matter how brutal or even small, like things that are really simple, like, hey, this menu heading is too small or I want this button to be here instead of there. When you take just thousands and thousands of data points like that, you start to build what's a stellar product. You know, and a lot of the feedback we've been getting with Import Yeti is people go, man, it's a joy to use this. This is fun to you know, use. Uh, and that doesn't happen through my genius. It happens through people, you know, like you guys and people on Reddit and Twitter, you know, telling me, hey, here's how I'm using it. And here's uh, the ways we can make it better. David, tell us a little bit about that user experience just for people who haven't been on the site yet. I've been on. It's very it's the, the, the front page, super, super minimalistic, super simple. Yep. You search yep. a company. Then what happens? So you type in a company, we'll say Apple, and then it's going to show you the results for companies similar to Apple. And then there's some filters you can do. So you can try and narrow it down or you can search by an address. And then it's going to take you to a page for Apple. So it'll say, you know, hey, here's Apple. Here's who all their suppliers are. You know, here's how much stuff they're moving in terms of weight, TEUs, number of shipments. Um, You know, here's what their, um, you know, HS code breakdown is, you know, the different areas they're importing under. Um, and then it'll kind of show you some, some different ways to visualize that data. And then at the very bottom of the page is their addresses and contact information that's been you know, pulled out of those bill ratings. So that if you're trying to, you know, prospect somebody, you can, um, hopefully call them and have a good contact. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. I, I, and I love the way it works. I get into it. It's one of those things where I could have sat there with Dooner and said, Hey, check out this person. They brought yeah. in, you know, widgets or whatever it was. These oh, guys, sure. are, this guy's a nut job over here. Yep. Look what he's doing. Look what Dave so is bringing to crawl through. Yeah. It really is. But that brings up a question now. So the interface with companies and brokers that want to use this, right? You're talking about Excel downloads. What about just straight up API connections? Yeah, we're working on an API connection where we're struggling a little bit with that is a lot of people view APIs like a buzzword. And they're yeah. like, I will, you know, if I can understand what the good, you know, requests and what they want the response to look like, um, we will be doing that. But we're still kind of in the development phase of really understanding what those requests and response need to look like in a way that's actionable. Um, and there's some technology challenges too with like name resolution. Like if you type in Apple, who does it actually return? Um, that can get really tricky. 
nobody intentionally goes into supply. I mean, people do now. I mean, maybe there's school programs, but a lot of us just kind of fall into <laughs> supply chain. How nobody. did your interest in this develop? Like, how did you end up with that auction thing? And how did you end up selling uh, wrestling gear? Yeah, yeah. So um, the auction thing, uh, I was a kid, like, you know, 13 years old, much to my mother's just complete hatred. I um, was importing hookahs and humidors and other tobacco paraphernalia <laughs> products from overseas uh, and selling it on eBay. And, you know, those are the platforms that were all the rage at the time. Uh, and then you were 13, um, 13. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Um, you can imagine when you get a you know six foot hookah in the mail, your mother is not too stoked, but she was very supportive. <laughs> it's so a cool. flower pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Turned out okay, I guess. But uh, it was a, we'll call it a bumpy road for a little bit there. And, uh, you know, went to school. And, um, you know, when I graduated, uh, this was probably, you know, a decade ago or so, um, I was doing some consulting work. And I stumbled across Wrestling Mart, and uh, I just viewed a ton of opportunity there and um, kind of signed on to the team and have been loving it. It's been so fun, just a, an absolute blessing. And uh, as part of that, you know, we stumbled into the you know, private label side because we recognized, hey, we could juice our profit margins on some of these products that consumers want that um, they're looking for that price point play for. And, uh, you know, you know, you never, I'm not, I never shipped anything other than my stuff, um, all my copious amounts of hookahs. Um, and you kind of start to learn it as you go, you know, birth by fire. And uh, I'm very grateful for it. But it's been a, you know, a, a bumpy road. Well, how did you learn to, oh, because, I mean, it's a smart move to import these hookahs yeah. from overseas. But how did you know to do that when you were 13? Some people are adults. They don't know to do that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, I had started selling things on eBay just like locally. You know, so I, and then I recognized that, Hey, people are trying to buy new goods, not just used stuff. Um, so the question was, how do I get new goods at good prices? Um, and back then there was a handful of websites where you can essentially, you know, go to, you know, look at suppliers in Egypt or look at suppliers in Pakistan or China, um, and see what they're selling goods for. And it is shocking, especially when you're 13, 14 years old, when you see something at a store for like 80 bucks and you get it for $9 overseas, you're like, how does this work? Uh, and then I, you know, just contacted them and, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. It's really interesting with that entrepreneurial spirit to, to make that stuff happen. What I also find very interesting, and I'd like to get your take on this, is the knowledge of logistics and the way you develop that. And obviously all the way to the point where you've got the import Chihuahua, I mean, Yeti, yeah. sorry, uh, site that is really going to be, it's really useful right now, but you're, you're going the right way. Uh, uh, our, our, our trophy smack people. Right yeah. uh, on on yeah. um, on on uh, the show there they were they were uh, uh, on Shark Tank. It was admitted that knowing logistics mm-hmm. right is very very important for an entrepreneur. Would you say <laughs> that you uh, gained a lot through knowing those that, those logistics, or is it something that somebody who wants to be an entrepreneur and has that spirit like you should look into is really understanding logistics? For sure, and I think that it's it's tough too because when you look at some industries, like we'll take. SEO, like there's really strong best practice out there um, and really, really good education. And in the logistics space, I think we're just starting to see some of that, especially in the sourcing side. Um, But the average person, you know, essentially 100 percent of their knowledge is gained via, you know, just experience. And with Import Yeti, we're actually going to, I think, start to tackle some of that stuff and create what is being codenamed Yeti University. Um, And we're going to walk people through what is best practice when trying to find a supplier, what is best practice with finding a good freight forwarder? You know, what do you look for? 
how do you how do you know what's good and bad? Um, what matters with the good one? What matters with the um, you know you know a bad one? How do you rate shot properly? Uh, and in really kind of trying to bring you know the the rigor and the um, the science to you know supply chain best practices, which I think will be super helpful and help brand import Yeti as kind of the um, you know the go to place for um, sourcing and you know a lot of um, logistics issues. Here's the great thing about tech. It doesn't just create an opportunity for eBay. For example, you are like what you did isn't exclusive to you for eBay. What has also happened like Global Trans, for example, Michael and Andrew Leto, right? Mm-hmm. They start this, it became a billion dollar brokerage, but when it first started out, they would just go on eBay and they would look at heavy goods. And because of their experience with supply chain, they would go, okay, this person is selling an ATV on, um, or they're selling a weight set on eBay. That's freight. You're not mm-hmm. going to put that in the mail. It's going to cost you a ton of money. Yeah, so their right. initial targets were individual users. As your site and as your program grows, um, are you planning? On, like, have you been contacted by three PLs and shippers who want to want in on this? A lot of them. You know, I've, I, you know, in February we had half a million people on the site. You know, wow. so like we're getting a lot of traffic. Um, you know, I think we're, what we're trying to do is really try to understand what those different markets are and really you know, develop for those individual markets that we can build things they find highly valuable. And it's hard when you, you know, are dealing with so many different people that all have unique needs and understanding what are the real needs, what is just miscommunication. Um, But we're hoping that we can, um, you know, build something that just makes the, you know, whole logistics space a, a ton better. Well, David, we wish you all the best. You're doing, you're doing awesome with this stuff. Michael, I think we do have to, uh, we do have to spin the wheel real quick before we let him go, though. The wheel of stupid okay. questions. Spin that around for me. Round and round it goes where it lands. Nobody knows. What do we got, Michael? We got... All right, here's a, here's a good one for you. Think deep yeah. in the recesses of your mind. What is a random piece of trivia that is living rent-free in your brain? A random piece of trivia that is living rent-free in my brain. I mean, the hookah, the selling the hookahs would have been a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you already spilled the beans on that one. Wow. Yeah, I already spilled the beans on that. How many singlets does the average high school wrestling program buy? <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot. And here's, here's one that's, uh, that's an interesting one that is uh, going to be mildly inappropriate. Wrestling Mart, um, although we much do not want to be this way, are the number one singlet destination for non-wrestling needs as well. Um, and I'll let you figure out what people might use singlets for if they're not wrestling, at least in the high school sense. But uh, that isn't a large segment out there, too. I have no <laughs> idea what they would be using. For, I'm going to have to Google that later and turn you off safe not, search. Let's put it this way. Singlets that might be missing certain sections of the singlet. Oh, okay. <laughs> you painted a, a good enough picture for yeah, us yeah. here. Hey, David, people who want to, to be able to check out this site, and I think we've done a good job explaining it. People who want to check it out, though, you want to get that traffic up to a million, where should we send them to? Just importyeti.com. Uh, and please, please, please reach out to me. I, I really want to interact with all of you guys. If you have any sort of feedback or ideas, I really mean, let me know. You know, even the smallest things make a big difference. Nice. Dan. And when you, add, when you add new uh, features to this, tip us off. We'll have you back on. You're a great guest. We appreciate you. Oh, I would love that. I'd love that. Hey, come out to F3 as well, November 8th to 10th, right here, Chattanooga. I, I, might, I might take you guys up on that. Okay. If we do, we'll see you there. Take it easy. We got one more guest today. It is Jeff Barman. He's founder and CEO 
of Cocoon in oh, Santa right. Barbara, California. Now, we just talked to a guest talking about taking freight data and using it to your own advantage in terms yeah. of figuring out good sourcing, maybe right. doing some selling, That's maybe right. figuring out the ins and outs. Well, here, this Jeff is going to talk to us about using your own data to start making some money, start making some passive income. So, Jeff, thanks for joining us. I like this. Hey, great to see you guys. I was on California time. I almost missed the whole show. <laughs> it's, it's okay. I've been out there before. Actually, one time I was supposed to have a job interview. I was in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I, and I was supposed to, it was on like mountain time. And I was, so I'm on East coast time. I go to Las Vegas and the interviews on mountain time. I completely screwed it up. Nice. The, the, nice. the company never forgave me. I, it, my life worked out anyway. Uh, I'm fine. Give us an elevator pitch on here on cocoon. It sounds pretty, it sounds pretty cool. Hey, so here's the deal. I figured out I've been in, and I actually was in real estate business before I got into technology and I got into technology because I was really kind of annoyed with all the terrible, stupid things that happened to you. Like, and I'm just a regular guy, and all of a sudden, I'm turning on my computer. All these bad things are happening. People are following me. People are sending me emails. I mean, it was just a nightmare. And so I started building something. I had a little bit of money for my real estate career. And one of the things last year I figured out was, wait, where is all of our data going? Well, I started thinking about it. Wait, is it going to Google? Is it going to Facebook? And what the heck are they doing with our data? Oh, wait, they're selling our data. They're making billions. I mean, literally, there's trillions of, of uh, data flowing back and forth. These companies are making billions of dollars. Uh, nameless companies you've never heard of are making billions of dollars. All of our own, our own data. And I'm thinking to myself, wait, I know how to build a browser. I know how to do apps. Why don't we build something that people can use their, their, their phones or their desktop and they get paid for their data? Versus it just gets passed on to Google and you get nothing. And so I launched this, this browser and this app that allows people to take their data. They get permission. They, they give me permission. I go sell it for them. We do a, a split where the user gets 70%. We take 30 and the user starts getting paid for their data. And all this nonsense of all your data being swept away, it's already being used by these guys. And you're not getting paid for it. And I decided that just doesn't make sense to me. So, Jeff, explain to us how this, this actually works. How do you keep the, your anonymity and how do you sign up for this? So, it's, it, the anonymity yeah. comes because, first of all, we, unlike others, <laughs> we, we, don't, we, don't, we filter a lot of things that we don't want to pass on. We don't pass on any financial information. We don't pass on any medical. We don't pass on even adult sites. None of that stuff gets passed on. You just give us an email address and you put a PayPal account in so that you can get paid. We pay in dollars. We don't pay in funny money. We don't give in points. Uh, I don't believe in any of that. I'm kind of the all-American kid that thinks you should get just get dollars. So you put your email address in. You give us permission. And and it's really great because a lot of the a lot of the apps now have to ask for permission and people aren't giving it. But But we ask for it. And if you want to get paid for your data, you don't have to. You can use our browser and our app without it. But if you want to get paid for your data, you say yes. Set up a, a PayPal account and bingo, you're getting you're in business. Now I've been I, I bought a house. So I've been furniture shopping. And this one furniture yeah. company, Anthony Smith. So I sent Anthony Smith like some chairs I bought. Oh yeah. Him and I have just been stocked on every single site we go to. Like it doesn't matter CNN.com. It doesn't matter. It's it's just following us. Yeah. Everywhere we go. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's what happens to me. Everything yeah. that I look at, everywhere I go on the site, it's all but guitars. Here comes my question. The, so supposedly they're killing the third-party cookie. Is that a, a risk to Cocoon, or, or how are you collecting this data? 
So, so the, the, uh, we don't, we actually, uh, don't collect cookies and actually very shortly, there will be no cookies yeah. to collect. It doesn't mean that you're not being followed. They have a zillion ways. So let, let me tell you about the truckers. Let's just talk about them for a minute. What we also do is we actually track where you're going. So as you're a trucker, we track, but that's valuable data. I have a, 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 a female trucker. She made $33 last month on her 12,000 miles of driving. That's not bad for doing absolutely nothing. And you're giving this data away. And here's the thing. Here's the craziest part. When you get in your car, that data, those companies already know where you're going. They already, you know, they, they got you around. I mean, when you when you get on and it goes, hey, 20 minutes to work, guess what? They already know where you are. So why are you being left out of the picture? And my opinion is you should get paid. And so, you know, it's it's that that, that information is already going out on you. There is no privacy. The privacy you're going to find is in a VPN uh, or you just get off the web, period. You turn off all your phones and you're off the web. But that doesn't make any sense. Wait, so what is like a whale? Like what, what's the biggest payout you've done and what does the average user typically typically make? So the average uh, will make, you know, I mean, if, it depends on how, how much you drive and how much you use your, actually use your uh, browser. So if you, if, you, if you drive, like I drive basically 13 or 1400 miles a, a month, I make two or $3. It's not, not a ton of money. But let me say this, in the future, the more people we pile in, the more power we have, for the people to make more money. So I can go to a, an advertiser and say, or a, a, a broker and say, hey, you want our data? You know, it's gonna cost you a little more money to get our data. And I can do this over and over again. So my play is to make as much money as I can for the person using the app and we get paid as well. So it's like a win-win on our side and a loss on the other side or not a loss, but you know, it's, it's I'm on the side of, of, of our team versus them. So um, some of the users, like my friend Brittany she, Richardson, she's a trucker. She did $33 last month on 12,000 miles. She didn't do any browsing. Had she done some browsing, she might have added another 7 bucks. Well, that's in her mind, she said, well, that's like, you know, me as a trucker getting the fuel discounts. And I'm making 30 bucks for doing absolutely nothing is just, well, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it sounds interesting. People who want to learn more, they want to they want to sign up. They're cool with with their data being, you know, making some passive income off their data. Where should we send them to? So you send them to trycocoon.com, T R Y C O C O N.com. We are only uh, unfortunately we're only Android at this point. We're going to raise some more money in a crowdfunding program coming up. Uh, and and Part of what, it, by the way, I'm, I'm coming to the uh, Jamboree. I actually am an old trucker. When I was 12 years old, I worked on a truck for two summers. I love what I did. I've always had an affinity for you guys that, or for people who are trucking because, frankly, we wouldn't have that toilet paper in our bathrooms three months ago hadn't been for you guys. Yeah. And so, you know, people forget, in my opinion, you forget about the greatest guys on earth are those truckers that are you know doing their thing so thanks to uh, to thanks to all the truckers and i hope we can we can we can put a little extra money in your pockets but try cocoon.com i will be at the jamboree nice. uh, i'm coming with my favorite lady friend who's the trucker and i'm looking to have a really great time nice well don't be a stranger make sure to tap yeah, our shoulders absolutely. we'll definitely say hi and see yeah. what we can do with you there take it take it easy thanks for making it on the show well sorry for the early wake-up call <laughs> take it easy <laughs> thanks guys i appreciate it take, take care it easy Good stuff.
Yeah, absolutely. It's, I like that he took a trucker angle with it, too. He recognized what this was all about. He's like, yeah, I know some truckers. Now, 33 bucks, not a ton of money, but it's passive income. And like you said, they're selling your data anyways. They're selling so anyways. Why not make a, a, not make a some meal? Money 33 bucks in a month? Hey. If you're comfortable doing it. There I like go. that they're transparent about it, too. They're like, we are selling your data. The yeah. whole point is you make some money. So yeah, and we're going to make a little cash, too. Pretty cool. All right, let's <laughs> quickly go Straight inside up, the newsletter. Oh, let's do that. Yeah. You've got mail. You got mail last night. If you're subscribed to the What the Truck newsletter, if That's you're right. not, go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. It comes out every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Now, we looked at a few things in there. We'll do a truncated one here because we're running out of time. But we looked at spot market. That slid five cents this week. But volumes are up, Michael Vincent. So I don't know how long it's going to stay down. And 313 itself, still pretty elevated. 313 is still pretty high. And there's no indication that we're hitting a cliff and going to keep sliding. I think the pressure still goes up. And like we talked about before, the DHL supply chain yeah. in we think 70 is too low. Yeah. Suez for three Canal. months. Suez Canal, big problem over there. Not a big problem for Evergreen, though. They had their best quarter ever, right? <laughs> their, uh, as the world fixed it on, as Greg Miller reported, as the <laughs> yeah. world fixed it on the plight of the Ever Given in the Suez Canal, the liner company that operates the ship, Evergreen Marine Corp, was wrapping up their best quarter revenue-wise in its history. In fact, Evergreen's operating revenues were up 135% year-on-year. They're up 40% from Q4 2020. Bad thing if you're a shipper on that boat, general average has been declared, and the Egyptian government today seized that vessel for it, and they're handing them a $900 million bill. So we're going to see how that susses out. These shipping lines, though, making a ton of money. Costco also had an amazing blockbuster Q4, right? I think they their Q1 estimate is 56% higher than all the money they made last year. So the steam, you're paying for it, though. You're, if you're a shipper, you're paying for that <laughs> yeah, kind of stuff. you are paying for but it. But here's the sure. grossest story. This will keep you up at night, oh, Michael. Gosh, this, Did you read this one? Uh, yeah, Fact, so factory wasn't you know, real happy about it afterwards. You want to cut your mattress open? What feeling like? You're like inner spring? You're like the foam, or you like used medical mask? A factory in uh, where was this? Jalagon, Jalgaon, India. Yeah, yeah. Police raided it, and they found that the mattresses there were being stuffed with used medical masks. Use all they use COVID masks. They just stick. They're using them as filling. That's disgusting, right? It is, it is bad. I go with the foam. I'm going with foam. Well, the police think this might be more widespread than just this one incident at the factory, and now really? they're looking to see if there's actually a racket going on, if there's a whole scheme here. There's a I, whole black market for used masks? I got to find out this. I got to look up this factory and import Yeti to make sure I'm not get buying mattresses from them. You, that's a good right? point. Or the cushions in your chairs. You never know. I, I if they're stuffing mattresses, you never know what stuffed they're stuffing. Stuffed animals? Stuffed animals, Exactly. Teddy Ruxpin? Teddy do I need to Ruxpin. gut? Do I need to, do I need to disembowel my Teddy Ruxpin to see if there's medical mass inside of it you now? May, is, that what we have, is that what you're telling us we have to do to live in this society nowadays? I'm telling hey, you. Hey, come to F3, live.freightways.com. See what the future's going to bring. Click on F3. Alligate called it Jamboree. We've been calling it the Coachella Freight, but we'll take Jamboree, too. The trucking sure. Jamboree. Hey, as long as we beat Jama. And by the way, shout out to Jamaica. Thanks for making us number one in business news. Number Jama. four in all news, Jamaica. Hi. You're Jamaican us crazy. We'll be down there to see ya. Tomorrow on Insiders, we're talking to Jamie Hagan from Hellbrent Express, talking about his trucking career. It's going to be exciting. Look at FreightWaves Insiders wherever you get your podcasts. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him what to do, Michael. Peace and love, everybody. Peace and love. We see you Friday.